It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished, but the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated in our nation's capital, there was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now. Because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you. All right. Sandy Rios with you this morning. That was President Donald Trump at his inauguration speech. I remember it well. Bruce and I were there in that vast audience listening to it live. It was an amazing speech. And it tells you pretty clearly why the establishment in Washington on both sides of the aisle hate him and must destroy him because he sided with the people against the special interest in Washington, against that vast, you know, um, conspiracy, and it is that. Thank you, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Among the agencies, the people that somehow feel themselves above uh, the Constitution, that they can undermine and destroy and get their way because they are getting advantage. They're getting lots of money. If you live in D.C., you can make a ton of money. Could I just tell you? People make a lot of money. Just regular people make a lot of money in D.C. because there's a lot of federal money to be had. It is a money-making machine in that vortex. And so yesterday, we got another taste of how this works. Senator Joe Manchin is a moderate, right? He's a good guy from West Virginia. And you know, oh, shucks, he just, he's on your side, right? Well, that's what he always says, and he sells it so convincingly. Time after time after time after time, he does that and then does the exact opposite. What am I talking about? Well, remember the Build Back Better bill that was going to be, you know, Build Back Better, wow, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer, and it was millions of dollars of spending. It was all about the Green New Deal and uh, funding electric car, the electric car industry and all kinds of wonderful things if you like the Green New Deal and you don't care about keeping your house cool or warm and you don't care about, you know, your gasoline prices. It's, 
you know, it's a great, it's great, it's going to save the planet. You see, while Joe Manchin was against it, no, I'm not voting on that. No, I strongly oppose. He's been holding out all this time. But yesterday, well, yesterday, as always, he had a change of heart. And not only that, they've changed the name of the bill. They've changed it from, now, wait, I have to say, before I say this, uh, you know that all the spending, the spending bills that they've passed so far have have a direct correlation to the nearly 10% inflation we are in right now, to the rise in your gas prices, to the rise in your groceries, to all of it. Uh, Okay, so with that in mind, this is a huge spending bill. Now, they say, no, 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 they have ways of paying for it. (laughs) But you know they don't have ways of paying for it. That is just uh, malarkey, shall I say. And uh, I'll give you the malarkey by just the title of the bill. It was called Build Back Better. It was called Build Back Better. That didn't go over so well because it was a lie then. But now it's the, it's, this is, I don't know even how they do this with a straight face, but it's the Inflation Reduction Act. It is the Inflation Reduction Act. By spending all of this money, they're going to reduce inflation. So says Joe Manchin. So now he's all on board. He's all on board. He's all over it. And of course, uh, so are many of the Republicans and enough to pass it. And so, uh, so are you know the House, and uh, I don't think many. Uh, I don't know if any House Republicans are supporting this. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it, but I, I don't know. But this is the way the game is played. So, uh, the people in Washington, you know, uh, slap their hands and bump their rear ends. I'm not sure what they do when they have sex success, but what this means is money for them. And what this means for you, according to let's see, according to, it is going to be for you. And for me, a $700 billion increase in your taxes. You know, I want to do something. Let's go back. Adam, let's play that Trump. uh, Devin, let's play that Trump speech again. I want you to hear it in light of what I just told you. Here it is. For too long, a small group in our nation's capital has reaped the rewards of government while the people have borne the cost. Washington flourished. But the people did not share in its wealth. Politicians prospered, but the jobs left and the factories closed. The establishment protected itself, but not the citizens of our country. Their victories have not been your victories. Their triumphs have not been your triumphs. And while they celebrated, in our nation's capital. There was little to celebrate for struggling families all across our land. That all changes starting right here and right now, because this moment is your moment. It belongs to you. Okay, so I want to remind you that under President Donald Trump, after he made that speech, he actually made good on his promises. Uh, The United States of America became energy independent within, like, what, less than two years of him being in office. We didn't need the Saudis anymore. We didn't need anyone. We were ready to sell oil to the world. Our business was booming. The economy was growing left and right. That's what happened. Uh, American families were finally free and not worried so much about, they were free to start businesses and do all kinds of things. That's what happened under 
President Trump. But of course, that had to be stopped. And now they're using, of course, January 6th, their, their false, scurrious, scurrilous accusation that what happened on January 6th was an insurrection, that President Trump was responsible for it. They're trying to incite the, the clause on insurrection so that they can stop him from ever running again. Because you see, they have money to make. They have power to wield, and he must be stopped. So now we have Mayor Garland. Uh, the Justice Department is now jumping in with the J6 committee, and they're lying, uh, they're lying bunch. Uh, the tribunal, the Soviet tribunal, uh, the Justice Department is now joining in with them. Uh, Mayor Garland, I told you this yesterday, but I want you to hear it from his own words. In an interview with CBS, here's Attorney General Merrick Garland, clip two. We pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who is criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th, for any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another, accountable. That's what we do. We don't pay any attention to other uh, issues with respect to that. Yeah, well, we're doing, we're going to, man, this is, yeah, this is very serious. And so we are not worried. We're not afraid. He's so bold, uh, Attorney General Garland, because, you know, I'm sure he'll be really punished if he should do something wrong as Attorney General, right? He has a lot to fear because, you know, the president or the Congress will hold him accountable, right? Okay, so that's a joke. Uh, so Mayor Garland, uh, by the way, we know now uh, that we have it in writing that um, it was Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, who put the squeeze on Merrick Garland to prosecute cute Trump, to come after him, to criminally prosecute him. We have it in writing. So now he's responding. It's really going well, isn't it? And uh, no, the left, you know, is accusing, uh, well, we are noticing, we're noticing that the Justice Department is coming after the enemies of this administration. I've talked about it every day. I'm not going to talk about specifics right now, but the J6 prisoners come to mind. Uh, the attorneys who are helping President Trump come to mind. Uh, all of his friends, Steve Bannon, all the people that worked in the White House who weren't even, uh, even involved on January 6th are coming to mind. Uh, so the Justice Department is going after them with a vengeance, and it really doesn't matter if they had anything to do with it at all. If Steve Bannon, for instance, left the White House like after a year, a year and a half, two years, wasn't there on January 6th, had nothing to do with January 6th, but, you know, he's going to, they're prosecuting him. Okay, so uh, this is interesting because back back in the good old days when President Trump was president, you'll be interested to hear how the media characterized President Trump and his relationship with the Department of Justice. This is clip one. This is an abuse of power that the president is again trying to manipulate federal law enforcement to serve his political interests. This may be the most serious Trump inappropriate DOJ meddling since the firing of Comey. Is Trump using his government to punish his foes and help out his friends? William Barr was happy, happy to put DOJ into service as Donald Trump's not just political shield, but political weapon. Yeah, so President Trump used the Justice Department to punish his friends, punish his enemies, right? I missed that. I missed that. I guess I was not paying as much attention as I thought because I did not see, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi in jail or criminal, and criminally charged. I didn't see, you know, uh, them go after, going after Adam Schiff criminally, which they probably could have, but they didn't do that. And, of course, the Republicans in the House and the Senate don't have the uh, whatevers. Uh, to do any of that kind of thing. So 
uh, at least the leaders don't have that. So so we didn't really see. I guess I, I missed what happened, what they're claiming happened. But um, let me just say uh, that in regard to uh, what happened on January the 6th and the whole nut or the whole point of what they are trying to to say on that on that Soviet-style uh, tribunal is that President Trump was responsible for what happened on January 6th. He set it up. He incited the violence and uh, wanted to go over there and be an insurrectionist right along with the rest of them. Uh, and so Cash Patel, who was a high-ranking member of the national security team at the White House under President Trump, uh, wanted to set the record straight. We've talked about this, but I want you to hear it from Cash's own mouth. And he's talking about Liz Cheney lying about um, Defense Secretary Chris Miller. Here it is, clip eight. Okay, we don't have clip eight. Well, Cash is saying that basically Cheney is lying about Chris Miller and the point is, President Trump, two days before, you got it now? Okay, let's listen. And to be, to be crystal clear, there was no direct order from President Trump to put 10,000 troops to be on the ready for January 6th, correct? No. Yeah, you're, that's correct. There was no direct, there was no order from the president. Liz Cheney sits on the House Armed Services Committee, who has oversight of the Department of Defense, not to mention her fact that her father's one of the richest human beings on planet Earth because of DOD contracts. She knows how DOD works. She is withholding truthful information, which is you've always learned, especially I did as a former federal prosecutor. Is sure. That's the same thing as lying. When she says Chris Miller didn't, and her words are now going to be used to vindicate Trump at the Jan 6 convention itself that they're hosting. When she says President Trump didn't order the military on that day. Yeah, he's not allowed to do that by the U.S. Constitution. Had he ordered the military to descend on the United States Capitol? That's the very definition of a coup. Yeah. That's why the United States Supreme Court and the legislature enacted Posse Comitatus to say the president must authorize the use of the National Guard domestically. And then there must be a request, the second part of the law, by local government. And she knows both things were testified to by myself and Chris Miller multiple times under oath. And we put out the documents, the Bowser letter refusing that request, the Capitol Police memorandum refusing that request. The Milley report from the DOD inspector general under Biden came in on page 31 and verified that President Trump said that he authorized the appropriate security uh, for the January 6th event days before it happened and that those individuals, Bowser, Capitol Police, Pelosi, refused and therefore the, ca- the National Guard could not be deployed. For Liz Cheney to come on and now say there was no order, well, thanks for proving that there's no insurrection. I don't know what your committee is going to do now. And the only person that followed the law on that day and the days leading up to it was President Trump. All right. I hope that was clear. Um, I guess the point is President Trump did ask for the National Guard four days before January 6th. He asked Chris Miller and General Milley. Chris Miller, according to documentation, said, we've got it all covered. But Chris Miller, the Secretary of Defense, never called for the National Guard, and neither did uh, General Milley, even though President Trump asked for it. Nancy Pelosi didn't allow it, and neither did Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C. That's why my friend Mike Waller said there were very, very little police presence on that day, and he was shocked. All right, we'll be right back with more. Of course, we will. Sandy Rios in the morning.
Telling Bibleists, persecuted believers, no, that's one of the hardest things we do at Bible League. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth, and I want to give you an update on our campaign stand with them. You know, Paul wrote, the persecuted, they may be persecuted, but they're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You know, for weeks we've been telling you about Christians who are praying for Bibles in order to endure and persevere. Ahmad is in Malaysia. He's a civil engineer, was beaten. When he came to Christ, he's praying for a Bible. Adesh is in Nepal. He's a tour guide near the Himalayan mountains. He was beaten, but he's praying for a Bible in the Nepalese language. And then Einar is in Zimbabwe. She's a widowed mother of three. Her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime. She's not praying for an end to her suffering. She's praying for a Bible. We're in the final few days of this effort to send God's word to 16,000 Bibleless persecuted believers. We're short of this goal and we need to wrap up in the coming days. So at $5 a Bible, $100 since 20, will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Vice Admiral John Hill, Director of the Missile Defense Agency. He oversees the section of our Defense Department responsible for developing a layered defense against ballistic missiles. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 reminds us of the protection provided by God. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Admiral Hill as he works in the defense of our nation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. It was a clash of the political titans in Washington, D.C. Former President Trump and former Vice President Pence back in the nation's capital delivering speeches just a few miles and a few hours apart. But if you were hoping to watch President Trump's speech on Fox News Channel, you were out of luck. Fox broadcast Mr. Pence's speech from top to bottom, but they decided not to broadcast the former president's speech. Media pundits quickly noted Fox had cut ties with Trump, and they may have a point. Fox News has provided live coverage of at least six of the January 6th committee hearings, not to mention far-left hosts like Brett Baer and Juan Williams. The coverage so biased, Trump declared Fox had gone to the dark side. Fox News has once and for all exposed its true allegiance. They're in the tank for establishment Republicans, no longer fair or balanced, and maybe most disappointing of all, they're no different than MSNBC. I'm Todd Stern. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. It's as simple as uh, uh, opening a case against uh, Trump that was based on fuzzy liberal newspaper reports. But when it come to Hunter Biden with plenty of concrete information, it was shut down. It's pretty simple. 
That was uh, Chuck Grassley, Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa, and uh, that's what he's talking about. It's, look, there's a. I'm assuming that you're hearing about the FBI whistler, uh, whistler, whistleblower, <laughs> who came to uh, came to Senator Grassley and Senators Johnson, uh, and talked about how um, there was a guy in the FBI who was an analyst uh, who. Uh, reclassified all the information on Hunter, his laptop and all of that, uh, and was also then earlier involved in the Russia hoax, making things worse for President Trump and subpoenaing his friends. So really putting the finger on the scale uh, with the full permission of the FBI director. And it really is just horrific what they are doing. Um, And so that brings me to a couple of updates here on the J6 guys who... I'm telling you, they're they're my guys. I just I feel my heart just I can't stand what's happening to them. U.S. District Judge Tanya Tutkin uh, has once again handed out a prison term for a January 6th rioter that is longer than what the prosecution requested. His name is Mark Ponder. Uh, he's 56 years old. He's a resident of D.C. Uh, they he's being charged with attacking police officers with poles. That's the charge. You know, and who knows if that's accurate, but that's what they say. So what did the judge give him? They, she gave him, she just gave him, he begged her for mercy, and then she gave him five years in prison. Five years in prison. Bruce told me that even robbers often don't get that long of a sentence. Convicted criminals, robbers, do not get a sentence like that. Five years in prison. It's a... Judge Tanya Chutkin is an Obama uh, appointee. He was appointed in 2013. She's heard a lot of uh, the, 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 she's overseen a lot of the J6 cases. She's handed down terms of imprisonment to all 13 riot defenders who come before her, and she's matched or exceeded the Justice Department's sentencing recommendation in every case. This is an Associated Press report. I find that interesting. And then there's a second guy. Uh, one of her victims, Robert Palmer from Florida. He also pleaded guilty to assaulting police, and he was given, you know, I'm guessing Robert Palmer probably had an attorney that told him to plead guilty and he would get off lighter, but didn't happen. He also got five years. So um, this is uh, this is like vengeance of the, uh, you know, this is quintessential vengeance, isn't it? It's just unbelievable. Let me tell you about another guy that came. This is in the Epoch Times this morning, and again, I say to you, I hope that you will subscribe to the Epoch Times. I never hardly tell you that it's going to cost a couple of dollars a month, but really it's worth it. And I want to commend a documentary they've just done called The Real Story of January 6th, stuff that you will, you've will you probably never seen. Uh, a great tool to share with people who don't have a clue what the truth is on that day. The Real Story of January 6th at Epoch Times. Okay, so uh, this, is a, this is a policeman who happened to be there on January the 6th. Uh, he has been a sheriff's deputy. His name is Ronald Colton uh, Maccabee. He's from Tennessee. He's 28 years old. He had just been an accident, a very serious accident, and he broke his shoulder. So that's how, you know, he, that's that was his condition when he went uh, to the uh, rally for President Trump and then to the to the Capitol. Um, he's been denied bail for nearly a year based on video evidence that actually exonerates him. Uh, and the story is, if I could tell it concisely, because this, this article is fascinating. There's a lot I can't tell you because because of, of time. But uh, what happened was that the police, a policeman, was down under the crowd. It's in that tunnel area that we've talked about, where Roseanne Boylan was uh, beaten by a policeman, policewoman, beaten repeatedly. You can see it in the video. 
And he was nearby that. He actually uh, administered CPR to Roseanne. Um, and there was a policeman who was down on the ground for whatever reason. Either he was hit or he fell. And uh, uh, Ronald was actually helping him. And he's being charged with assaulting him. And when the, uh, tr- the, uh, ju- the judge in Tennessee saw the video, there was no audio at the time, and the judge felt there was enough question about the, uh, the video that he was not going to put Ronald McAbee. He was going to let him out on his own reconnaissance. He's been in a policeman. He has no record whatsoever. He's been a, you know, a good citizen in the community as a policeman. But when the thing made it way, its way up to D.C., our good friend, uh, the judge, uh, who is, what's his name? Uh, he's our, such a good friend. I can't believe I can't remember his name. You'll recognize it because he's the one that oversaw Michael Flynn's case. Uh, he's one of the worst. Uh, Emmett Sullivan, Emmett Sullivan. Emmett Sullivan said, oh, no, no, he's a danger and he must be locked up. So he's been locked up ever since. He's in the D.C. jail. And ironically, the, uh, the, the video of what they say he did to the policeman with the audio completely exonerates him. Uh, but Sim- Sullivan is not allowing that to be heard in the courtroom. So isn't this lovely? Isn't this just lovely? I mean, they're doing a great job, it seems to me, of exacting vengeance and also building the case that you and I, those of us that believed that President Trump was a good president, that we believed that actually the 2020 election was taken from him from several different entities, not the least of which his own party, undermining and trying to hurt him in every way. And I think that includes his vice president at the time, uh, planning and plotting something different. You know, Mark Short, uh, the chief of staff for Mike Pence, uh, plotting against President Trump. We knew he was a never-Trumper when Pence hired him, uh, and we knew he was dangerous. But that didn't stop President, Vice President Pence from, he knew who he was hiring. It was... Um, I just, uh, it's appalling to me. So, uh, and then there's Mitch McConnell, and then there's, you know, um, even Kevin McCarthy. (gasps) Yeah, all undermining him, plus the Democrats. So, yeah, it's all working out well for them, I could say. I want to change the subject for a second because we talked yesterday about uh, this whole transgender nonsense. I don't talk enough about it. I really do feel like I don't speak enough about it because I do know quite, I do know a lot about this. Uh, But I just want to play something for you. This is a little video that was available, and there's no name of this teacher, but it's a teacher, and she's just talking about, you know, gender, genders, gender assignment, gender gender pronouns for her kids, uh, and this is what she says, clip 20. One last idea for this series about how to support students who don't identify as cisgender in your classroom, and that has to do with report card comments. Many students don't identify with the same pronouns and names at home as they might at school or with friends. And so this makes report card comments and communication home really complicated. Personally, I've been trying to take gender out of my report card comments altogether, but I recently heard a great suggestion from our school's GSA who suggested to make report card comments directed specifically to the student. So using the word you takes out the need to use a name or any gender pronouns. And so that's what I'm going to try next time. It sounds like an ideal best practice. How do you tackle this? Best practice. I don't know. Well, that's a teacher. And we have, I mean, we have a lot of videos of teachers, a lot of them with, you know, colorful hair, green, orange, red, talking about their, you know, their sexual, you know, that's like teachers. When I was a kid, I don't, yeah, you know, my teacher never talked to me about their sex. I was not part of the conversation. 
uh, they talk to me about history and geography, but now teachers, man, they're into something else. And some of them brag about how they, you know, they've this, I don't know, gotten their kids to be confused about their sexual, who they are sexually, what what their gender is. They think that's very cool, which reminds me now of an article here. Now, I'm not saying that that teacher's guilty of this. I'm not saying that the orange, purple, green-haired teachers I've seen uh, on various outlets talking about this are guilty of this. I would just make the point that teachers used to be people of incredible integrity, people who went into teaching like I'll just say 50 years ago, 60, 70, 100 years ago for sure, were of the highest moral character. And uh, they didn't get hired unless they were. Uh, But, oh, I guess things have changed. And those kinds of decisions to not care have consequences. So now here we have a study shows that at least 121, 181 K-12 through educators, including four principals, were arrested on child sex-related crimes in the U.S. in the first six months of 2022, ranging from child pornography to raping students. Four principals, 153 teachers, 12 teachers' aides, and 12 substitute teachers, totaling 181 K-12 through educators guilty of child sex-related crimes in the U.S. in the first six months of 2022. And then here's another little tidbit that you should know. Same but different. These teachers, many of them, and principals, are, you know, propagandizing your children to change their genders. I don't know what a kick they get from this, but they get a kick from it. Some people say it's grooming. I don't know if all the people pushing this are, you know, wanting to have sex with children. That's what grooming means. You get you prepare children who are innocent, you know, so that it's easier for you. Uh, it's a sick, sick, sick. Can you believe we're even talking about this? This is the stuff of our culture right now. And if we don't talk about it, then you're not prepared and you can't fight back. You don't, don't know how to protect your children. So now uh, the FDA has a, uh, released an official warning that those puberty blockers, those things that are so good that, you know, that Benjamin Franklin, uh, Rachel, whatever, Levin, the assistant secretary of HHS, who wears, uh, you know, long blonde hair and dress, wears dresses and, and looks like Benjamin Franklin, uh, who is a transgender person, um, has told us that these are great, that now kids, you know, are free to have this and it's great and everybody agrees it's wonderful. But now we're finding out the FDA's warning it's causing brain swelling, vision loss in children. They've identified six young girls between the age of five and twelve uh, who are who have been on pu- puberty blockers, uh, and that's it's a problem. So they they kind of think maybe they should study it. It's also causing increase in blood pressure, brain, brain swelling, and uh, headaches and vomiting. So isn't that great? Don't you want your kids to go through that? And don't you want teachers uh, to assign this without your permission, doctors? Uh, you know, the new, uh, as I understand it, one of the bills that's being considered right now in the Senate, I don't, who knows, it's not related to this, it's certainly not named the puberty blocker bill. Uh, it's something that's actually going to stop, oh, it's the Marriage Act, that's what it is, going to stop doctors from even be, being able to decline uh, doing this to children, whether it's gender reassignment surgery, removing breasts and boys' parts, um, hormones, it's just... This is just so sick. I honestly do. I Listen, Bruce was watching last night. He loves uh, to watch um, anything, you know, Nazi Germany, World War II, any kind of, he was a 
connoisseur of war, all kinds of war. He knows he's a walking encyclopedia. And he was just saying to me this morning that uh, when you see the rise of Nazism in Germany, it's really the very same principle. It's the same but different. It's the propaganda. It's the the uh, the untenable uh, declarations that seem so bizarre to us now, but they evidently made them very convincing to the people so that the German people just were all in before it was over with, at least most of them, to all appearances, kind of like masking, you know, uh, pretty soon, you know, uh, just a few people are opposing, maybe privately, quietly to their own minds opposing, but pretty soon they're all doing it, uh, wearing their masks, uh, spouting the party line. Um, and then uh, in Germany, it was shaking their fists or no, raising their hand and saying, Heil Hitler. And um, well, this is just uh, just the most bizarre thing. I want to tell you a couple of other things real quick, because in the last segment, I'd really like to open the phone lines. Uh, if you have some comments or questions we haven't talked in so very long, our phone number is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. In my remaining moments before I open the phone lines, it looks like the Biden administration is going to declare monkeypox a public health emergency. A public health it might happen today, might happen this morning, as I understand it. Uh, because, you know, of course, uh, monkeypox is dangerous to, uh, well, let's see. Oh, gay and bisexual men who have lots of partners. That's verified. In fact... Tedros Gerizios, who is the uh, World Health Organization Director General, Tedros, I should just say that because that's easier. He says that 98% of the monkeypox cases detected since the outbreaks emerged in May may have been among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. Yeah, that's pretty much what everybody's saying, including gay writers in the New York Times and the Washington Post. But it's, you know, it's an emergency for all of us. Don't forget, it's an emergency for all of us. Back to COVID, quickly, some updates here. We are now learning what we already knew, and that is, according to an article by the Washington Free Beacon, that the CDC coordinated with social media platforms and Google to censor users who question the COVID-19 vaccine. The CDC, a federal entity, censored you if you wanted to say something or even question uh, anything about the vaccine, you got censored uh, because, you know, there was a cooperation between the federal government and these media outlets. We know that uh, Fauci's wife insisted on COVID-19 vaccine trials for children. She is, by the way, the Depart- uh, head of the Department of Bio- Bioethics at the National Institutes for Health. She wrote a paper on it. She's got vested. She thinks it's important. We also know now that COVID jabs impact both male and female fertility. Uh, the da- The data is in. Uh, the increase in uh, in um, miscarriages and stillbirths uh, is, uh, is substantial. The lowering of the birth rate in countries, miscarriages, fetal deaths, and stillbirths have skyrocketed, um, and male fertility has been affected as well. We'll put that article on our Getter page. Last but not least, almost every single COVID death in Australian state was by uh, from someone who was vaccinated. That's the that's the headline. Sandy Rios in the morning AFR talk. God can use persecution to strengthen the church and individuals within it. Persecution is granted to us. Don't miss this. What an honor to be chosen to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to die like the thief beside him, so that men enslaved to sin can see the gospel written in our flesh and believe. Gain more perspective on persecution with Jordan Shambly's article, The Victorious Persecuted Church, in the Fall 21 issue of Engage Magazine, 
or visit EngageMagazine.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Dr. Deborah Burks, former COVID advisor to President Trump, the Scarf Lady, is hawking a new book titled Silent Invasion. In it, she reveals that she actively deceived the Trump administration on COVID strategy. She wrote, As soon as we convinced the Trump administration to implement our version of a two-week shutdown, I was trying to figure out how to extend it. I didn't have the numbers yet to make the case for extending it, but I had two weeks to get them. Fifteen days to slow the spread was a ruse. Total shutdown was her aim from the beginning. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, watching your hard-earned dollars just flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option called MediShare 65+. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills, and it really is a community. People encourage and pray for each other. And MediShare 65+, is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B that fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. It's great for peace of mind. And you can use your Medicare-approved doctor and get prescription savings, dental and vision savings, very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're great to talk to on the phone. Here's the number. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. A new McLaughlin poll commissioned by our Committee on the Present Danger of China has several impressive and potentially politically consequential findings. First, 60% of those sampled agreed that the Chinese Communist Party deliberately unleashed the COVID-19 virus on the world. Second, 60% also agreed that the CCP should be held accountable for the deaths of roughly one million Americans, the immense economic damage, and the loss of personal freedoms caused by the pandemic. And third, roughly 70% said they or their family had been negatively affected by the pandemic. What makes these data remarkable and actionable is that for the better part of three years, virtually every media and governmental instrument available has relentlessly disinformed, discouraged, and outright canceled such sentiments. Finally, 76% said that a candidate's position on China would be important or a consideration in their vote. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios back with you. Hey, let me just say before I go to the phone lines, I've gotten so many email from 
uh, many of you with the kindest words, you know, about my absence and also about my <laughs> my diagnosis. And uh, everything's fine for those of you that didn't hear that. I'm doing fine. Uh, I had a bad diagnosis, but I got good treatment and I'm going to be just fine. Uh, but I've gotten some wonderful uh, encouragement. It really made me cry. It just was a beautiful outpouring and I, I do appreciate it so very much. I just want you to know that. And I do read, I try to read each and every one of your email. I know you probably don't believe that because <laughs> you hardly ever hear me refer to it. It's just, it's just a matter of time, the volume of information that's coming in. But I do read almost every bit of it, and I do appreciate it so very much. I do want to open the phone lines. We have not done it in such a long time, and uh, it's 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Now let's see. Let's go to Lori in Oklahoma. Good morning, Lori. Hey, good morning, Sandy. Thank you so much for um, giving me just a moment. I just wanted to um, talk about the statistics that you gave this morning about teachers and children. I work for an organization in southwest Oklahoma called the Red Cord. You can find us on Facebook. We're a grassroots organization of Christians who fight human trafficking, pornography, through education and awareness. One of the things I wanted to share with you, and I can't thank you enough for sharing the statistics about what's happening in the schools with teachers and educators, is the stats that you gave are probably on the low side because this crime is so heinous. A lot of times it goes completely unreported. And again, you said it was for the first six months. The other thing I wanted to address is in the school system, through the school system, and we've seen this time and time again, as parents have been attacked for not wanting their children to be exposed to specific material, that pornography is the gateway drug to human trafficking, and we know that our children are being sold to the highest bidder to be abused. Pornography is not just something you visually see, it's something that you can read. And as those books are being read in Board of Education meetings and parents are being labeled um, violent, what they're trying to do is to protect their children. This is a grooming technique. The other yeah, thing yeah. is homosexuals can't reproduce. They can't, uh, you know, two gay men can't have a child and produce another homosexual child. So they must target our children to reproduce their kind. And that's yes. why they're coming after our kids. Yeah, Lori, good good points. And, and I thank you for fleshing out the grooming thing more clearly than I did, because that is absolutely true. It, it's uh, You're groomed in different ways, and that's what pedophiles have used for years to break down the the natural innocence and uh, modesty of children is to show them pornographic pictures or introduce them to that, and that is the method. And it's a, it's sickening. I, I hate talking about it. I really do, Lori, but it's really true, and I appreciate all the work you're doing to expose that in Oklahoma, so thank you. And by the way, it's uh, what, the Red Core, in case anyone wants to check it out. Thank you, Lori. Let's go to uh, Leanne. Uh, hi, Leanne. Good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning, Sandy. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I just had a quick I had a quick comment. You mentioned Weimar Germany and how that correlates to what we're seeing today with transgenderism and grooming children. Yeah, not just that. Well, not just, just not, not just that, but the whole propaganda thing, but yes, that too. So go ahead. But Weimar Germany was a mirror image of what we're seeing today. They had first transgender operation. They were, Berlin was full of child prostitutes and pornography. They were in the same type of decline we're seeing right now. Plus, of course, they had economic problems. And that is what caused the rise of the Third Reich. People were sick of it. They wanted it cleaned up. They, they wanted to go back to traditional lifestyles. 
So, yes, there's a strong correlation, but the brainwashing was from a, the brainwashing is different. It was more like that promoted the idea of we need a strong leader to take us back to tradition. So, it's a World War III. Uh-oh. Leanne, we're losing you. Can you get oh, back okay. to... Thank no, you, I, Andy. Yeah, no, no. I appreciate you filling in the gaps on that. It would be interesting to have a longer conversation about that, Leanne. And um, I appreciate that. You know, um, Leanne, do you remember the name of that? I'm just I'm scrambling to remember that name, the name of the movie that was made popular about pre, uh, pre-World War II. It was uh, Nazi Germany, and it was in a cabaret. Yes. Cabaret. I cannot... You know, I cannot remember the name, but I remember the movie. It's Cabaret. It's Cabaret. So, Leanne, I'm going to let you go, and then I want to fill in the blanks on that. But thank you so much for your comments. I appreciate that. What she reminded me of is when I was on my way to live in Berlin, and I was on a plane. I was 21. Um, I was going to join my husband, who was, this is during the Vietnam years. Um, I watched on the plane the movie Cabaret because it was about Berlin, and I thought, well, that'll that'll be great, you know, interesting. And the the focus of bah, it's a disgusting movie. <laughs> it was really revolt. It, uh, I don't know. I didn't even. It's been that many years since I saw it. But what I do remember was that all the gender stuff that I'd never even seen. Um, and so it's very interesting that Leanne would point that out. I had never made that connection, but it was, it's like a disturbing movie that was about uh, Germany or Berlin during those years uh, when the, the Nazis were, you know, in power and before the, the World War broke out. All right, so I'm not commending the movie, by the way. I'm just telling you. All right, let's go to, um, let's go to Indiana and talk to Greg. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Greg. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Pleasure. Man, don't ever stop doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm a teacher in Indiana, and uh, we need people like you. Um, in my public school, we struggle all the time um, with what we're supposed to be doing in our classroom. Uh, I teach mathematics, and I'm like, I just want to go in and I want to teach. And every time I call on a student, I have to worry about what their emotions are at that point in time because what they do is they'll go and they'll complain saying, hey, this person has uh, hurt my feelings, and then we get a nice uh, uh, talking to by our administration. Uh, there are so many of us teachers, uh, good Christian teachers in our public schools, that we just feel like we're all alone and we, we don't have anybody backing us up. And most of the time, parents don't even know what's going on in the public school. Um, so really what I'm asking is what can we do when a, when a student says, hey, uh, you have to call me this, this name because this is what I want, even though that's not what uh, their name is on our roster sheets. Um, uh, this year I actually had somebody's name actually changed on my roster sheet. Um, uh, last year I had uh, teachers come to me and they said, hey, what are you going to call uh, your students because we're being forced to, to do this. And I said, well, I'm just going to call them by their last names. Well, this year it's coming around that we're going to have meetings about what we should be saying to these kids, what we should be calling them. And they are wanting a, us to accommodate what the students want. I just want to go in and teach and try to get these kids to understand there's, there's more out there. Uh, but we just feel like there's nothing we can do. We don't feel like there's anything uh, – uh, backing us up if we say, no, I'm not going to call you this. Uh, just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, Greg, I um, I'm, I was just praying for you as you were telling me that. 
because I, just a couple of principles, let me just say this. Please understand that there is never enough capitulation for the left. What they demand is complete obeisance. You can't do the middle ground. You can't do it in increments. They will not be happy until you have bowed the knee to the complete thing that they want you to do, whatever that is. Um, and so there's like no clever way to respond. Uh, you may put it off for a while, but it, it is an inevitable collision. And I'm, I'm sure you, you probably have a family. You've got your livelihood at the very least. Uh, this is terrible. It's a terrible, terrible dilemma for Christian teachers. And that's why so many Christian teachers have left education. And then that, where does that leave our kids? For those of you that stay, you know, um, I have a good friend that's a Christian teacher in a very liberal state, uh, and she stayed for a lot of years, and she's so powerful and strong, but she just looked for every way possible that she could minister the kids uh, without, you know, whatever. I don't know what her what her rule guiding thumb was, but she tried every way she could to introduce uh, the Christian principles, maybe without saying Jesus. And I know that's not what you're asking me, but I'm just telling you, you're in a very dangerous place. I think that education and even the medical field right now, and the legal field, there's no safe place right now, speaking of safe places. Um, and so, Greg, the only thing I would advise you practically, and you met, sounds like you might be doing it, is to get together with the other Christian teachers, and you guys need to pray and ask God for wisdom, wisdom, wisdom beyond measure. It may be that, like other teachers that have, you know, done this in the last few years, you may not be able to, you may have to take a stand that will cost you something. And um, it might cost you a great deal. And honestly, I have to say, Greg, this is where we all are. We're going to be there, all of us. Some people think they can avoid it, and you, right now you kind of can. You can kind of play around it. Uh, but they will, uh, if the left prevails in this next election and continues what they're doing, uh, I'd say once this election is over with, if they prevail, it's going to be worse. And we are living in um, and, and we're uncharted waters, except not uncharted because, uh, um, you know, Christians before us and other generations, the, the, the Christians in the early church in Rome, you think of how they scattered because they were all being killed or hung upside down or crucified. You know, this this is really what we're facing. So I think this is not what you want to hear, Greg, but it's just that you you got to steal your heart and your mind, decide right now uh, how far you're willing to go, and then stick to it. And then just be prepared and ask God to give you strength. And that's what we all have to do. That's what we all have to do. I can't give you an easy answer. And I, I, I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. Because I think that when we start to compromise, we lose some of our courage. And I'm just saying it's time for courage. And so, um, in fact, could I pray for you, Greg? Can I pray for you right now? Yeah. Yeah, Father, I do pray for Greg. I just hear his um, his passion and his earnestness. I'm sure he loves kids. He loves his subject matter. I'm, I bet you that you have called him to do this. And so it's confusing, I'm sure, to him now to have this this these obstacles. What a conundrum and how difficult. But, Father, you know that. I know that you love Greg. You care about him. You care about every hair on his head. I also know that you called him and me and the rest of us listening that serve you to be steadfast and faithful no matter what. And so, Lord, our lives are in your hands anyway, and I just pray that you give Greg courage as he um, faces this and the other teachers with him. I pray for them too, and I pray that you would form a bond with him, which I know you will, <laughs> that would steal them and help them to, you know, just, Lord, please give them wisdom beyond measure because maybe there's something I'm not thinking of. And so I ask that in the name of Jesus, amen. 
Greg, keep in touch, okay? Thanks. You just send me an email, let yeah, me know thank what happens. Yeah, Sandy at AFR.net. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. And uh, let's go to Tom in Ohio. Good morning, Tom. Hi, hi, Sandy. How are you? Good. You only have a couple of minutes here, Tom. Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful that you're back, too, by the way. I've been looking oh, forward you. to hearing you. Thank you. But anyway, what I was going to talk about is I keep noticing redefinitions of everything. Just today I heard Brian Deese or that White House economic person talk about um, – we are not in a uh, recession, recession, even though technically we're uh, two quarters of negative GDP. Um, gender has been uh, redefined. Marriage is becoming redefined. It just feels like this is a, uh, a Soviet-style um, attack, and one of these things is redefining everything, and I just kind of want to get your take on that. Oh, well, you're spot on. I can't really embellish. I mean, you're just spot on, Tom. Think of what I said at the beginning of the show today, that Build Back Better bill. That's costing so many billions of dollars that Joe Manchin just signed off on uh, when he said he wasn't going to, is now being changed to the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act. Yes, it's a game they play. It's a very dangerous game. It is part of the propaganda. It's Go back to, you know, George Orwell's 1984. It's all about that. So, uh, people, but thanks for pointing this out because we have to keep drilling it until people really have a better understanding of what's happening to all of us. Tom, thanks a lot for your diligence. Appreciate it. Let's try one more, but you have to be quick. Tony, what's on your mind? Uh, yeah, uh, I was just wanting to say that uh, words matter because, um, you know, they're saying insurrection for January the 6th. They need to watch uh, the movies White House Down and, uh, you know, Olympus is Fallen. Those are armed insurrections or what happened in Portland when Antifa took over Portland and burned it down. Uh, But truths matter. Uh, That's all I got to say. Yeah, Tony, I totally agree. And just reestablishing the plumb line. This is truth. This is what I try to do every morning. This is truth. This is truth. Truth brings sanity. What we're seeing in, whether it's words or actions, is insanity. We watch it, and if you buy into it, it makes you insane. I think it leads to insanity. Truth brings rational thinking. So we're going to cling to the truth, aren't we, Tony? Thanks for listening. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.